Thank you for listening to the Fred Lowry Podcast. We hope this message will inspire and encourage you. Don't forget to connect with Dr. Fred by visiting fredlowry.com. And also connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. I want to talk about following Christ. That word follow is used some 92 times in the New Testament. 25 times in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus asked people to follow him. He did it repeatedly. He did it consistently. Chapter 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee with the people crowding around him and listening to the Word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Many times Jesus used the boat as a pulpit. And there by the Sea of Galilee, as the crowds would gather, it was difficult for Jesus to be seen or heard over the crowd as the crowd got larger and larger. And so he would often get into a boat and he would uh, sit down or stand and, and speak to the crowd from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. No doubt in that. Go out in the deep water and put down the nets because you're going to have a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Can you hear what he's saying in that? Lord, we've tried this before. I mean, the fish aren't biting. We are professionals. We are fishermen by trade. We know the Sea of Galilee like the back of our hands. We have let down the nets over and over again. All night we have toiled and we didn't catch anything. It's the same lake. Things haven't changed. We know what we're doing. You stick to preaching, we'll stick to fishing. That's what I hear him saying in that... Uh, in the construction of this sentence. We've toiled all night. We've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, we're going to do it. I mean, it's ridiculous, preposterous, inane, but we're going to do it because you say so. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, uh, in the... In the best text, and the, the lexicons, if you, the, this word is singular. Uh, my translation has plural, but uh, it's, it's singular. It's on the best lexicons, and I, I, I like that because it's a, when Jesus said, let down your nets and catch all these fish, they were really just doing it because he said so and kind of humor him, and so they, he let down a net, singular. Instead of letting down the nets, he let down the net, singular. 
When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break so that they signaled their partners. Now remember over in John, when they, when another similar incident, when Jesus was on the seashore and uh, told them to, to cast on the right side, and they caught how many fish in, in the net? 153. When y'all speak back up so loud, it's hard for me to concentrate. 153, and it didn't break the net. So we don't know how many fish were in the net, but more than 153. So they signaled their partners in the other boat, come and help us. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. Now, Brother Abel, you're a fisherman. That's a, lo that's a load of fish. <laughs> Would you agree? I mean, we're talking about a lot of fish. So that both boats are about to sink. I've been fishing Brother Abel many times, and we've yet to catch anything. It always bited just before I get there, and... The day after I return. But you went last week and caught something. But by the time I get there, they will stop. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. I'm following up this morning's message being Father's Day, with a word from this text about men. And, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Don't, don't rush me. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. They, they were astonished, amazed at the fish that they'd caught. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So were the partners. We're talking about a fishing business. We're talking about large fishing boats and men who do fishing for a trade. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. I want to say a word about the conflict. Who's in charge? Who knows best? Who will run my life? Who will call the shots? Who will make the decisions? That's a battle that every man in this building, every one of us faces on a daily basis. Am I going to run my life or am I going to listen to the Lord? Am I going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and listen to the Holy Spirit? Or am I going to run my own life selfishly? The conflict. Am I going to listen to what the Lord says? Because uh, I know what I want to do. And I know what I ought to do, and yet there's a conflict within. And as I look at this text, I see first practical obedience. These were fishermen. And when Jesus said, go out there and catch some fish, go out in the deep water and catch some fish, those men immediately thought, well, listen, we are fishermen. That's not practical. No need to do that. That's not practical. See, the Lord doesn't ask us if we think what He wants us to do is a good idea. He just says, do it. He doesn't ask us if we think it's practical. He just says, do it. Because He has information that we don't have. So the key is obedience, but we, we shift in the gear of practical obedience. And we know the Lord says do it this way, but we just come up with a better idea and we want to do it our way because 
we know what we're doing in this area or in that area of our lives. But then there's another thing I see in this text, and that's partial obedience. If this word is singular, net, when Jesus said, let down the nets, plural, and then the next word is singular, he let down a net that was partial obedience. He did a token step. He wanted to somehow appease the Lord and he wanted, you know, he didn't want to just confront the Lord and say, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm a fisherman and I know better than you know. And so he did partial obedience. He thought, I can pick and choose what I want to do. I'll, I'll make some token effort. Yeah, probably we have one sin among other, uh, greater than other sins as, as Baptist folks. It's that we take Christianity many times as a cafeteria where we pick and choose those things that we want to do and we leave out with those things that are not palatable to us or not enjoyable for us. Partial obedience. Now, there are many passages in the Bible that we won't get into tonight that simply teach that partial obedience is really disobedience. Partial obedience is really disobedience. When we, when we emphasize the comforts of the gospel rather than the commands of the gospel, that's partial obedience. But then not only is there practical obedience and partial obedience, but there's perfect obedience because down in verse 11, he says they forsook all and followed him. They ultimately stepped out in total obedience to the Lord. But I want you to look at verse 8, the confession. We talked about the conflict, who's going to run my life? Who's going to call the shots? Am I going to obey the Lord? Or am I going to do what I want to do? My own, my own thinking, my own opinion, my own ideas. We see the confession in verse 8. Simon Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. That's something very rare for a man to do. He was admitting that he was wrong. He knew there weren't any fish out there. Why? Because he had already experienced it. And our experiences are true. Right? See, that's what we do with the Bible. We say, I know this is true because I've experienced it. And we try to make the Bible ratify our experiences. But that's really heresy. We're to bring our experiences to the Bible and let the Bible judge our experiences. But this man was saying, I know there are not any fish out there because I've experienced it. I was out there. Read my lips, no fish. But now he comes back, and this is a real man who says, I am wrong. Wow. How many men can say that? How difficult it is for a man to say that. Because you see, we've got this performance uh, trap, and as uh, George has been talking about the Southern male syndrome, because we've got to be right. We've got to have the answers. We've got to have it all going. And, and so it's so hard for us to say, I'm wrong. And he said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. I'm wrong. The confession. Now, the commitment. 
they forsook all, and they followed him. Notice Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Here's the truth I want to pull out of that that I believe is, is applicable. And I, I want you to, men especially, zero in and listen. It doesn't matter what you touch in life. I don't believe you'll ever touch anything any bigger than the work of God. That's eternity. The souls of men have to do with eternity. When you walk in people's lives, ministry, that's eternity. And here is a story of, of two men who had large fishing boats and they were in the business of fishing for a living. But they were so overwhelmed and so responded to the call of Christ that they left their business and followed Christ because Jesus said, from now on, you, you think, now here's, here's, here's what I'm finding in this text. Remember, it was so many fish that two boats were about to sink. Remember, 153 fish broke the net. And now the net's we don't know how many fish, but hundreds of fish. More than they'd probably ever seen at one time or caught at one time. And I think Jesus may be saying, if you could become the greatest fisherman to ever live, so that every time you went out there, all the fish you could put in that boat you could catch, it would be nothing compared to touching one life for the Savior. Catching men. He seemed to be saying, if you think that was something, wait till you start catching men. I like that. If you think what you, what you if, no matter how successful you are, if you think that turned you, wait till you start catching men. And they followed Bottom line question. It's not what you will do for the Lord. It's what you will not do for the Lord that sets you back. I've coined the... Here's my, my word for it. Selective surrender. Does that nail the average Baptist? Selective surrender. It's not what we will do, it's what we won't do. You see, you're here tonight because there are many things you will do for the Lord. And I guarantee you to come on Father's Day evening <laughs> when you know good and well the crowd's going to be way off. And you came anyway. There, you will do this for the Lord. And that's great. But what will you not do for Him? The phrase in this passage is, they left all and followed Christ.
there was not anything they were not willing to do at that point in their lives in order to follow Christ. Selective surrender. Let's pray. Father, speak to our hearts about our own lives and where we are in following Jesus. Help us to understand that we all have a ministry. That we're to be walking in other people's lives for their good and for God's glory. That we are to be catching men for the Savior. Touching lives. Bridge builders. Healers. Helpers. We're to be your feet, your hands, your mouth, your love, your compassion. Help us to catch that vision. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together across the building. If you're looking for a church home, the doors of our church are open wide. We invite you to become part of this church. You can join tonight. If you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, what better time than night to invite Him into your heart and life? Ask Him to save you. He will. Thank you for listening to the Fred Lowry Podcast. Don't forget to connect with Dr. Fred by visiting fredlowry.com. And also connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok.